Welcome to Whiskey and Wonder. All right. If you're on YouTube, you saw Megan start with her fingers crossed. <laughs> oh. Uh, Last night was a colossal failure. It was. Wow. Um, if you guys follow us on any of our social medias, you saw that uh, this episode is coming out late because uh, Tyler's computer decided to crap on him. So... Yep. Huh. It literally was, I could get it to run for about five minutes and then it would just die. Yep. So that wasn't even running the video software or the recording. That was just running Chrome. So, yeah. That, it was, whew. Yeah. I don't even know if it's going to make it through this. We got our fingers crossed. Knock on some wood. Um, <laughs> huh. I don't think anybody saw that last one. I did. <laughs> Tyler knocked on his head. No. Oh, no? Uh, there was a third one. There was? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't see it. If anybody's watching the video and caught my right hand, you, you probably know Oh, my was. God. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh, my God. All right. Hey. Well, I'm Megan. I'm Tyler. And this is Whiskey and Wonder. Oh, yeah. We are here. We are back. Episode 29. It's happening, provided this doesn't fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So... We are Whiskey and Wonder, like Megan just said. And you can find us uh, at whiskeyandwonder.com, YouTube, Whiskey and Wonder. Find us on Instagram, at Whiskey Podcast, and a bunch of other places that will be on the screen on YouTube and in the show notes for the podcast. Um, as always, same old announcements, stickers, glasses. You can find those on our website, on our shop page, you can donate uh, through PayPal or on Patreon. Links to that are on the website as well, I believe, on the homepage. Our Amazon affiliate link is no longer live, so fuck Amazon. Yep, basically. Um, short story. Yep. Check out pre the last episode or two for details on that. And hopefully we're going to have t-shirts as soon as Megan starts uploading pictures for that to the company. So, I am the procrastinatorist procrastinator that ever procrastinated. So before we get into this too terribly far, I'd like to say uh, thank. I'd like to thank everybody for their donations and for their support. Uh, we yes. really appreciate it. Definitely, thank you guys. You thank help you us keep going. Yep, thank you all so much. Thank you for rating us, reviewing us, sending us criticisms, all that good stuff. We love getting all your emails and all your stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Uh, even if we don't reply right away, we. At this point, we get so few, we will address them on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe that changes when we start getting like more than five total. Usually it's about two. <laughs> <laughs> so once once it gets to about five, we might have to start limiting it just for time's sake. Um, but with that being said, um, I forgot where I was going to go with that. Um, to be quite uh, honest with you. Email us. Yeah, email us. Let us know if you like what we're doing. If you don't like what we're doing, yeah, I think we can do it better. Uh, email us topics you want to hear covered and so on and so forth. Yeah. We are excited to get into this. I'm, I'm moving through things a little quickly today because I'm nervous about my computer crashing. I scared it's going to crash. Yep. Um, I 100% get that. So, And I'm probably going to save this a couple times through. Yep, just in case. Uh, it's very scary. Yeah, this is not even wanting to. Uh oh. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know if I can save this while it's recording. So. Oh, oh okay. Well. Anyway, we're going to keep rocking on and hopefully, hopefully get through this. Fingers crossed. Opening the bottle. Well, guys, we have a really, really neat uh, whiskey today. Um, this is a whiskey from a local distillery called Seven Jars Distillery based here in North Carolina. This is the Ava Gardner Select Bourbon Whiskey. Ava Gardner is a very, very famous actress uh, from back in the day. And she is known for her love of whiskey. So uh, Seven Jars decided to honor her and everything that she was and incorporates and make this whiskey for her. Um, in January of 2021, the Ava Gardner Select Bourbon Whiskey was awarded a gold medal from the 50 Best Guide. The bourbon bearing Ava Gardner's name was released as a 101 proof whiskey on October 16th of 2020. So this is a new, new whiskey. It is a limited release of only 3,600 bottles and is packaged in individual commemorative boxes, each bearing the image of Ava Gardner in her iconic role of Kitty Collins in the classic film noir, The Killers. Have you seen The Killers, Tyler? Nope. Never well, even heard of it. Oh, sad. Have you seen any Ava Gardner movies? Nope. I hadn't heard of her, frankly, until um, I was designing the website. And I don't know if you've ever been on our website at the bottom. There are quotes, famous whiskey quotes by people. And I have one by Ava Garden. Gardner. Garden. <laughs> and you really um, don't know who she is. Nope. <laughs> I don't. I don't even recognize this picture, which is apparently very famous. Very famous. She's very pretty. Um, very famous. Well. So, what? Uh, seven, uh, seven Jars says that they will have additional releases in the future, and each will bear different images of Ava Gardner, and each will have a unique flavor profile. So definitely uh, stick around for that because I'm sure uh, we will be reviewing all of the Ava Gardner's bourbons and rye or whatever they come out with as the uh, time goes on. I remember, not to get too sidetracked, but I remember what I was going to mention earlier before we got into opening the bottle. Just to Just to put it out there, I don't know if she's done it yet, but Megan's parents... I asked her three times this week to mail you your stuff. <laughs> so if it is not on, if it is not in the mail, <laughs> that's who you need to blame. <laughs> um, all I have, <laughs> uh, it, it would probably be more accurate to play the donkey noise, to be honest. Um, all I have to say to that is I was raised by my mom, who is a procrastinator like I am. So it's it's actually her fault. I'm blaming her. Oh, all your fault, all right. mom. All right. Well, <laughs> give your daughter a call and remind her to send you your stuff. Uh, I'm sorry. It's taken so long. If you want, email me and I'll email me the address and I'll, I'll send it. <laughs> if, I'm not that bad. I hope. Eh. Eh. All right. Well, all right. Back to the whiskey. Back to the whiskey. So it, this being such a new whiskey and from a local and a small distillery, we really had some trouble finding 
a lot of write-ups on it. Too. As in no write-ups on it. We're, as far as I could find, the first uh, outside company that is reviewing this whiskey. So we have nowhere that mentions what flavor profiles we should taste, what we should be smelling, what the finish is. Uh, we have absolutely nothing to go on. So this is going to be a whiskey that is 100% what Tyler and I smell and what we taste. And Which might be a first for us. I think it is. I think we've at least had something to guide us on other ones. Yeah. Um, not that we look at that point. well. I guess Megan looks at it because she writes it down, but I, I don't ever look at those. I don't write it down. I just pull it up on my phone. Oh, yeah. I just make sure it's there. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so I, neither one of us look at the right uh, the nose or the taste before we actually taste it. So um, Megan just took a big whiff. I've been whiffing off and on over here. And Megan just... <laughs> Megan just spilled some on her notes. Listen. <laughs> it's been a long day. It's Monday. It's we Monday. don't normally do this on Monday. It has been a freaking Monday, and it started last night at about 8, eight o'clock. Yeah, yeah. 8, 8.30. Um, so I'm I'm getting, I can't tell if it's caramel or butterscotch. It's definitely a candy, some sort of sweetness. Yeah, something like it, sweet, maybe a little vanilla. It smells desserty to me. I'm trying to pinpoint I get some, the dessert. I get some burn your nose hairs, but not overpoweringly. I'm interested to see how much spice is in it. Maybe maybe I'm smelling like a creme brulee. I think that's the best flavor I can put to what I'm smelling. Um, creme brulee. You sure it's not puckle? <laughs> On a very exciting off-topic note, um, Tyler made me puckles. I got to puckles. Puckles! Um... Yeah, so I, I've been starting to grow some herbs around the house, and uh, I had my one of my dill plants, which I didn't even want. It just kind of came with the, the hydroponic garden, is way bigger than everything else, and it's taken over. Uh, so I had to use some, and so I don't even like pickles, so I made Megan some pickles, and she sent me a text and misspelled pickles, but it was over. It was like all caps, so it said puckles. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm giving her shit about puckles. Puckles if, are just now what they're called forever for the rest of time. If so. anybody wants to continue giving her shit, please call them puckles. They're puckles. <laughs> I don't even care. It's not giving me shit. That's just the new name for them. I love it. Um. All right. So have you tasted yet? No, I have not. But right. I now I'm getting brown sugar as well. Um. Yeah. I so, can, okay. Yeah. I can like absolutely see that. Some creme brulee, some brown sugar. Some sort of... It's very sweet. Yes. Yes. It smells very sweet. Yes. Have you tasted yet? No, I have not. All right. Well, um, I don't know. Knowing Ava Gardner being a a spicy, fierce woman, I'm wondering if this is going to be a little bit more burny than it's smelling. Um, it definitely oh, has... Oh, man. Oh, uh-oh. Interesting. It is more burny than it smells, for sure. It burned from the get-go all the way down. Um, and I, I, I've got, I bit my lip, I bit, I bit the crap out of my lip, uh, I don't know, four or five days ago. And so it's like sores at the moment and it burns even worse on those. It finished kind of smoky. Yeah. Yeah. It was um, very interesting. Not, not much sweetness, maybe just on the tip of my 
took my tongue at the beginning, but for the most part, it finished very. It was uh, sweet, a lot of spice, a long finish of spice. I had the one sip, and it's still yeah. spicy down here. Yeah, um, um, with um, smokiness to it. The burn is real. Um, Feel the burn. <laughs> uh, wow. It's definitely, it's still burning, um, in my chest and up my throat. Um, I, I, I was kind of so smacked by the burn that I didn't really embrace the flavor profile yet. So I'm going to have to take another sip to figure out what I tasted other than just pain. So (laughs) I definitely on a second sip got less burn this time. And more sweet on the front, and I would say like a uh, some sort of fruit in the middle there. I'm not, I can't pinpoint what what sort of fruit, um, mainly because I don't know. I, I, my gut tells me apricot, but I don't feel like apricot is. I don't know what apricots taste like, really. So <laughs> I'll um, just call it a tangelo. That, okay. I don't know what a tangelo tastes like either. Anyway, um. I agree. Less burn on the second sip, but that might be because it has not stopped burning since the first sip. So maybe it's not going to burn on top of a burn. Um, maybe we burned it all off the first time. Yeah. <laughs> Everything that was going to burn. <laughs> um, I definitely get brown sugar. Like that's a very, very power, very, wow, very, very powerful flavor that I am getting. Um, it's more on the front. Um I get brown sugar that transitions into like a custardy, uh, custardy vanilla y cream type uh, flavor, and then it transitions to smoky. I've not gotten any fruit. I like, get more dessert sweet and then smoke. The the sweet is very very quick for me, and it transition it transitions into a fruit maybe, maybe something along the apple, citrus kind of flavor, right in the mid before the spice picks up. Hmm. that's what I'm getting at least um, the spice was a little more on my third third sip but I've taken three different sips three different size sips I've let one just kind of sit on my tongue for a minute you know so it's each way it, it tastes a little bit different uh, I still haven't gotten any fruit um, I get this is going to sound weird but as I'm sure you guys have heard if you've listened for a long time drinking this makes me kind of hiccup burp and on those I get kind of the same fruit taste so this is burning enough that I want a chaser for it yes I don't I don't know yet if I would mix it and I haven't tried to shoot it yet but it's definitely something that if I was to drink it neat I'm gonna want something next to it to follow it with to yeah kind of cut some of that yeah I think this would be a good candidate for uh, whiskey stones or an ice ball or a couple ice cubes. Yeah, something to kind of take the edge off a little bit. Maybe even a drop of water. I don't know if that's bourbons or just scotches. I think it's just scotches. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. We're good at our job. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Um. All right. So I guess uh, we'll let you know what we think of this. At the end. As it goes. <laughs> It's time for the Wonder Segment. All right. This week is, again, my week to teach you something. 
And I was super excited when Tyler told me what bourbon we were doing because uh, my topic this week is all about some badass bitches. And Ava Gardner is also a badass bitch. So, yeah, I felt it was very fitting. I am going to tell you about the women's suffrage movement of the United Kingdom. Not the American movement, but the United Kingdom movement. Because in London, these ladies fucking kicked ass and took names. And you will see what I mean as uh, time goes on. In all this, right. Um, what? I said, all right, let's oh, get into okay. it. <laughs> in this episode, I'll mainly be talking about the suffragettes, not the suffragists. So a suffragist believed in peaceful constitutional campaigns. They lobbied, they wrote letters, blah, 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 whatever. Suffragettes, which at the time was probably seen as an insult, but it's a title of pride today, took direct and militant action for their cause. So essentially Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah. Nonviolent and violent. Yes, yeah, we'll take that for sure. Uh, a suffrage is the right to vote in political elections. So women's suffrage is fighting for women to have the right to vote. Now, I'm only going to spe- be speaking today of the United Kingdom and a little bit of the United States suffrage movements. Um, at this point, New Zealand, Australia, Finland, and Norway all had voting rights for women first before either of these two countries. Um So we were not the first, um, Britain was not the first, but I would like to think that they probably made the biggest splash when it comes to everything. In 1832, Mary Spith petitions that Spinter, Jesus Christ, it's just starting. In 1832, Mary Smith petitions that spinsters should have the right to vote. This is the first women's suffrage presented in Parliament. It's in 1832. Well, from 1832 to 1866 to 1896, there's lots of talk, not much progress, blah, 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 whatever. Let's just keep sweeping that those women's rights under the rugs. But in 1897, the National Union of Women's Suffrage Societies, or the NUWSS, is formed with 17 societies. It would be led by a woman named Millicent Fawcett, who married a member of Parliament, Henry Fawcett. She was a writer and a speaker for women's educations and rights. The NUWSS campaigned peacefully lobbying and such to persuade members of parliament. Now, Emmeline Golden was born on July 14th or 15th of 1856. Her birth certificate says the 15th, um, but apparently it was filed late, and Emmeline herself always said she was born on the 14th. Uh, So there's not really 100% confirmed when her birthday is. Um... So we'll go with what she wanted, which was uh, July 14th of 1858. 
She was the eldest of 10 children of politically active parents. They were both abolitionists and supporters of women's suffrage. And Emmeline's mother got her involved at 14 by taking her to her first like political meeting type thing. So in 1903, Emmeline Pankhurst is sick of the lack of progress being made and she forms the Women's Social and Political Union or the WSPU. She met Dr. Richard Pankhurst in 1878 and he was 24 years older than her. He's a lore, a lore. <laughs> He's a lawyer. Uh, he is a lawyer that supported many radical causes, women's suffrage among them. And they got married in 1879. Despite the 24-year-old age gap, everything I read seems like they were actually in love. They were very, very much into each other. Um, and it seemed to be a match made in heaven, all things considering. They had five kids, three daughters, and two sons one whom died in childbirth, one of the sons. Emmeline remained active in politics despite being a mother and a wife. She campaigned for which Richard. Oh my God, Tyler. Mm. You, well, while you gather Wichard. your thoughts, you want some bad news? Oh no. <laughs> Help. What's the bad news? I'm scared. Uh, uh, the soundboard wasn't playing until after the first tire screech. So I'm going to, it's not that bad. I'm just going to have to go back in and manually. Okay. There wasn't that many sounds. It's just the entrance, opening the bottle. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I, I'll get them, but that's not bad. Yeah. That's, okay, that's, that's a product of my computer screwing up. So hopefully okay. you guys won't hear any weird, any issues, but if you do at the beginning, that's why the soundboard wasn't set up to record. I was just playing sounds for us to hear. So oh, well, I'll go back and re-add them later in Oops. editing. Well, as I was saying, uh, Richard, or Richard, to anyone who knows how to speak this language, uh, she campaigned for Richard to be a member of Parliament, and she would host political gatherings at their home in Russell Square, London. Now, when Emmeline and Richard first met, Emmeline didn't want to get married. She was very independent. She wanted to be in a free union with Dr. Rick Richard Pankhurst. And a free union is a romantic union between two or more persons without legal or religious recognition or regulation. So it's... Sounds like swingers. <laughs> I mean... It, I calls them like I sees them. Everything I read about free unions, they could be as monogamist or polygamist as they wanted. It's just a committed relationship without involving government or religion. So I mentioned to Houston that I guess me and him are in a free union. And he was like, no, nah, I don't like that. So, but I wrote it in my notes anyway. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's a thing that's still around today. Um, and in, at least in America and states where there's not a... Um, oh, what is it called? A marriage over time. Uh, oh, common, common law, law marriage. Yep. Yeah. Uh, in places where there's not a common law marriage, uh, a lot of that just kind of gets switched over into assuming it's a free union. I think North Carolina has common law marriage. They do not. No? Nope. 
I've looked into it. Huh. Nope. Um, but Richard and her both decided that she would face a lot of criticism politically for being unwed. And so they decided to help both their political careers that they would get married, even though it wasn't necessarily what Emmeline wanted. Was this like the beginning of the marriage for politics or for show? Kind of like the, I don't want to say the Clinton marriage, but I'm pretty sure that was more for. I I mean, they definitely loved each other. It wasn't like he was yeah, her beard I, or she I was his that. beard. But it was, um, they married. But yeah, they married. Because it looked for, better in the political eye. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like. Exactly. That happens still to this day. I feel like a good example is the Clintons. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Okay. Um, and so over the course of the uh, first 10 years of their marriage, that's when they had all their kids. Now, Dr. Richard Pankhurst died in 1898, and he supported and encouraged his wife until his dying breath. So after he died, she decides to form the form the WSPU um, to continue on both her husband's and her work, but now on a more an even more serious uh, way than they were doing before. In 1905, the WSPU coins the motto "Deeds, not words." Emmeline's daughters, Christabel and Sylvia, helped lead the USPU with their mom. So the three heads of the WS- WSPU was Emmeline, Christabel, and Sylvia Pankhurst. Now, in November of 1907, an American named Alice Paul was studying for graduate school in England. She attended a lecture by Christabel Pankhurst and was deeply inspired by her stance and her grace when male audience uh, attendees tried to bait her. In the summer of 1908, uh, Alice Paul joined the WSPU after participating in a demonstration at Hyde Park. Crowds of more than 30,000 chanted votes for women as they dispersed. Across the pond, the New York Times praised the event for its genius for organization, despite being an anti-suffrage publication. Alice Paul began selling Votes for Women, WSPU's newspaper, on street corners, and she learned how to tolerate verbal harassment and moved on to giving speeches at demonstrations where speakers were often physically assaulted and stoned. Still, Paul spoke. As time went by, she became bolder. On June 29, 1909, Alice Paul was first arrested during a protest at Parliament Square. The American press credited Alice with inventing the hunger strike, but in actuality, it was fellow suffragette Marion Dunlop who demanded to be considered a political prisoner, and when they would not grant her that status, began a hunger strike. Alice and her fellow fellow suffrage prisoners followed Dumlop's display of refusing food and prison clothes. 
And from them, then on, it becomes a, a meme of if you're arrested for women's suffrage in the UK, you go on a, hundred, a hunger strike. That becomes a very big part of everything that comes forward. Can you do me a huge favor real quick? Yep. Can you rotate your mic down just a little? There you go. And pull it back just a hair. Thank you. Getting okay. a lot of... Fuck. Yeah. Sorry. Well, it, no, it's fine. It's it's. I've got the mic too sensitive, so that'll okay. correct it without me playing with settings while we're doing this so I can pay attention. My B, bro. No, no, that's my fault. Continue. All right. Um, across her time in the UK as a member of the WSPU, Alice would be arrested five more times and serve three prison terms. At one point, she was placed in solitary confinement, naked except for one thin blanket for five days. Now, initially, British police would release hunger strikers as their health failed. However, by 1909, the officials came up with a brutal torture method to try to break the suffragettes. Dangle chicken wings in front of them? Force feeding them. Oh, no, I was so close. <laughs> I mean, you were, you were close, yep. By Alice's final imprisonment, pri imprisonment she had been force-fed, both humiliating and excruciating, over 50 times. How? How do you have details on how? Oh, yeah. Okay. I have her exact wordage. So Paul's account of that time was, quote, twice a day for the month that I spent in Holloway Prison in London, I was strapped and bound round with sheets until I could not move a muscle. Then another sheet bound round my throat to keep my neck rigid and the torture began. A long glass tube bent at the end and thick as my thumb was forced through my nostrils. The liquid food was poured in. The pain was intense, but I would not give in. They shoved food down her nose? Down her nose in a tube the size of her thumb. Ugh. Down the nose, thumb size. Well, be glad it wasn't my thumb. I mean, that's true. I don't know how big her thumb was, though. She could have been yeah, a big-handed lady. Fair enough. So, Man hands. Yeah, never know. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, that that was a thing. That's rough. Yep. Oh. Yep. God. So, while Alice Paul is in London being a prisoner, um, that same year, Emmeline Pankhurst traveled to the USA, uh, and she traveled around giving speeches to huge crowds of women. In October of 1909, she stood in Carnegie Hall and exclaimed, quote, I am what you call a hooligan, unquote. And she regaled the crowd with stories about the WSPU in England fighting for the vote. The tactics of the WSPU had been discredited by the USA as too militant. But that night, the crowd cheered and sang suffrage anthems. Alice Paul returned to the USA in 1910 and used her experiences in Britain to re-energize the American women's suffrage movement. 
She was an invaluable member and organized campaigns and displays with the same political savvy as the Parkhurst. That's all I'm going to say about America. Because of the WSPU, Americans started the fight again for women's rights and ended up succeeding. That's the... Which amendment is that? It's the 19th? If I was better at my job, I would have looked it up. I don't know. I just know I... What year was it? Was it 1919? Is that when... Uh, 19- I'll look it up. I'll okay, it up. you go ahead and look it up. I have it written down later. Um, I think it's nineteen twenty. Yeah, think. I'm just I'm I'm talking U.S. Yeah, I think it was nineteen twenty because we talk later on about eight years later. Um, anyway, you look that up. I'm going to take us back to England. November eighteenth, nineteen ten. The Consolation Bill that would grant suffrage for one million women. Any woman who owned property over 10 euros is passed by the commons, but fails to become law. I am not into European politics, so I'm not sure how their parliament, their, their political system works. But from what I gathered doing this research, they kind of have almost like a three uh, check and balance system like we do, where they have the commons and the parliament. And it has to go through the commons first, and then it goes to the parliament, and then it can get stopped. I thought the parliament was made up of two houses. One was the House of Lords, and one was the House of Commons. I think I talked touched oh. on that in the oh. Irish. Right, maybe. I don't yeah. know. I think, I'm guessing. I think that's, it's kind of like our um, Senate versus House of Representatives, I believe. Okay. I, I, if anybody knows, reach out to us. Yeah, let um, us know. I was right. It is the 19th Amendment, and it was actually passed in 1919 as well. So it's hey. 19s all around. All right. Um, so this amend or this bill passed in the Commons, but failed to become law. Okay. And that pissed women off. Exactly. <laughs> in retaliation, hundreds of women march on Parliament, where they are attacked, sexually assaulted and injured by both police brutality and civilian men. The day becomes known as Black Friday. This is not related to American Black Friday. Totally different thing. Damn. Yep. That's rough. What year was that again? This is in 1910. Mm, Jesus. The violence is said to have led to the death of at least two women, but is unconfirmed. This is uh, unprecedented. And the WSPU was unwilling to risk that same level of violence again, and they switched back to their previous direct action, which was window breaking, stone throwing, arson, etc., which would give women time to escape. They could destroy something, and then run away before anyone found it. Now, let's talk a little bit about this badass bitch named Edith Margaret Garud. Edith married a physical trainer named William Garud. He specialized in boxing, wrestling, and gymnastics, 
and then two enjoyed athletics together. I bet they did. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Edith was four foot ten inches, very petite and very innocent looking. Oh yeah, they did. Dear God, someone help me. <laughs> In 1899, the Groods met the first jujitsu teacher in Europe, a man named Edward William Beston Wright. He had brought the martial art to England from Japan, where he had studied it during his years of working as a smelting specialist in Kobe. The couple became intrigued by the sport and began to study jujitsu in 1904 under Sadakuzu Yuninishi, a golden in Golden Square, Westminster. Yunishi left England in eight, in 1908, entrusting William Garud to become the owner and manager of the school. He and Edith became instructors. Edith began teaching women and children classes. They popularized jiu-jitsu by performing choreographed exhibitions together throughout London. Edith, Edith Garud obviously became one of the first female masters in the Western, Western world. Also in 1908, she began to teach classes for the Suffragettes Self-Defense Club. It was open only to members of the suffrage movement. But in 1913, Edith realized they needed more. Because in April of 1913, the Cat and Mouse Act is invoked. This would allow police officials to release suffragettes on hunger strikes, putting them on a license to be rearrested re as soon as they recuperated. So, basically, because force-feeding them wasn't breaking them, they decided that instead they would make this cat-and-mouse law to where you're going to hunger strike, fine, we'll let you go, but the moment we see you again, you look healthy, we're going to take you back. Mm. And just go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Wow. That's kind of... Uh, I, I don't know. I want to say wasting taxpayer dollars and shitty on the people, but... Kind of, yeah. I don't, I don't know if they used taxpayer dollars back at that point, but for police I, or whatnot. I don't I, know what else would they use. I mean, it might have been private. Hmm. Interesting. Something to look up. I, uh, I was a little thrown when you said jujitsu in late 1890s, mm -hmm. because I was thinking jujitsu didn't originate until the 1900s. Nope. Um. So, I, so I looked it up. Um, apparently the jujitsu that you're referring to is different than Brazilian jujitsu, which is a subset of, uh, Japanese martial art. It basically broke off. I was thinking of Brazilian jujitsu, which was originated in, uh, the 1900s by the Gracies in Brazil. Yep. So. Now this is real jujitsu, the original, the OG. OG Japanese jujitsu. Yep. Gotcha. The more you know. Yep. Baby trivia with Tyler there. Hey. So that right there is Edith Margaret Garud. We're going to come back to her. 
So just remember that she is a badass bitch that is a jujitsu master in the early 1900s. Emily Davidson was an active member of the WSPU, and she was committed to the slogan, Deeds, Not Words. Emily Davidson was imprisoned eight times and prided herself on her dramatic escapades. On census night of April 1911, she hid in the House of Commons, where she spent the night in a cupboard in the chapel of St. Mary Undercroft in order to put her address as House of Commons on her census return. Dedication? <laughs> yep. I, I applaud that. In June 1913, at the Epsom Derby, she performed her most dramatic act, stepping in front of the king's horse. She died of her injuries. It is not known whether she intended to commit suicide, but at one point was quoted saying that tragedy was warranted when discussing suicide in Holloway Prison. Is that like the 1800s version of the Tenement Square? I guess. Essentially, yeah. That, that's what yeah. It, that's what came to mind when when you said that. Is just, damn, that sounds a lot like that guy stepping out in front of those tanks. Yeah, yeah. This mm. is, yeah. And you know what? I would say, yeah. Yeah. Uh, she is the the first, probably, maybe not. Either way. Interesting. Um, all of this culminated to the suffragettes needing protection to avoid the cat and mouse, as well as shield them from all the assaults that was presented by officers and other irate men. And so Edith Garud stepped up. She began training women in the art of jujitsu across secret locations around London. These would be the 25 to 30 women who made up the bodyguard. These innocent-looking women looked fragile to the British police, who were required to be at least 5 foot 10 inches. But Garud molded them into elite warriors that not only mastered the martial art, but also became skilled in melee combat with Indian clubs. Think back way to episode one, very first time we ever did this podcast, mm -hmm. and we talked about the Olympics in 1904. Yep. Remember Indian club swimming that looked like the giant bowling pins? Vaguely. I remember the dude cheated in the car. <laughs> he was my guy. <laughs> You'll never forget him. Nope. Well, okay, yes, I vaguely remember that. All right, Indian clubs are like bowling pin looking things. Okay. Well, these women were trained how to beat the fuck out of people using these bowling pin like clubs. Lovely. Yep. Just imagine hitting on one of those women. Oh, they hid these weapons in the folds of their Victorian dresses, so they looked unarmed. The bodyguard wasn't well known in history until 2015 with the graphic novel trilogy Suffragitsu and the 2015 British historical drama feature film Suffragette, which starred Meryl Streep, Helena Boenham Carter, Brendan Gleeson, which is Mad-Eye Moody, 
and Ben Wishaw, who is Q in the new 007 movies. Hold on. You, you felt the need to say who Mad-Eye Moody was and Q, and Q. Yep. but not... Not Meryl Streep and not Carter. Not that she was... Um, uh, Meryl Streep's our own thing. She's done a lot of stuff. Meryl Streep and Helena Boehm Carter are their own I Honestly, category. I don't know what Carter's done other than um, Bellatrix from Harry Potter. I'm not a movie person, okay. Megan. Name a Tim Burton film. She's been in it. I got nothing. Okay. Uh, she's... Uh, wait. That Christmas movie that's about Halloween. That's a Tim Burton movie. I couldn't <laughs> tell you the name, but that's a Tim Burton movie. She Okay, she's been in Edward Scissorhands, um, Alice in Wonderland. She is um, in The Corpse Bride. She's... She's known for Nightmare Before Christmas. That's what it is. I can't tell you the name. I honestly don't even know if she's in that one, if she Oof. voices anyone. Fair enough. Okay. All live action ones, though, for sure. Okay. Fair enough. Anyway, uh, Streep and Carter are their own category. And if you don't know who they are, I'm, I'm very sorry. Um, you should probably get on that. I'll pass. So the bodyguard kind of disappeared in history. But during their time active, journalists loved reporting the bodyguard. They often called them Amazons, and uh, an unnamed journalist coined the phrase suffragitsu. It came as a massive shock when police first encountered an Amazon. Bodyguard Catherine Kitty Marshall wrote an unpublished manuscript recounting some of their tales. Edith Garud spoke of a time when a group of suffragettes were fleeing police after smashing windows in protest, and Garud led them through back alleys to her dojo, where the women could feign innocence. And when the police did come looking, all they found were some young women innocently practicing jujitsu. On the night of February 10th, Emmeline Pankhurst gave a rousing speech at Camden Square. She wore the veil of her hat down, hiding her face. At the conclusion of the speech, a veiled woman appeared on the street. Kitty yelled, It's Mrs. Pankhurst, friends. Don't let her be arrested. The crowd and police surged on the woman. The present body bodyguard slung out their clubs and they fought hard. But eventually the police apprehended the veiled woman and carried her to the police station. It wasn't until they got there and removed her veil that they discovered she was a decoy. The real Emmeline Pankhurst had waited patiently for the chaos to begin and then was spirited away by more Amazons. Why would you not flip that veil? It's not like it's hard. Flip it. I don't I don't mm, question people are not smart back in this time. People are not smart ever. People are not smart now, you're right. <laughs> Sadly. Um uh, the most dramatic event happened on an evening in March called the batter uh, the batter <laughs> the battle of Glasgow. It would become known as St Andrew's Hall. As it would become known as. Blah, blah, blah. The Battle of Glasgow, it would become known as. 
St. Andrew's Hall in Scotland was packed with sympathizers, disguised Amazons, and disguised detectives. Fifty constables awaited in the basement, hiding. The police planned to block Emmeline Pankhurst from attending, so they set up a cordon and awaited her, her arrival. So, when she magically appeared on stage, the officers were left reeling. Pankhurst had got in because she wore a disguise, stood in line, and bought a ticket just like any other attendant, and she found a place to stand near the stage until it was time to give her speech. She began her speech, but only got a couple of paragraphs in before the 50 police in the basement ascended the stairs. The head constable appeared, and a woman in a black evening gown stood from her seat, withdrew a pistol from her dress, and directly fired into his chest. Chaos erupted at the shot. The constable fell back with the force and was... Sure, he'd been fatally wounded. But the woman, who turned out to be Scottish bodyguard Janie Allen, loaded the pistol with blanks. Twenty-five women stood in a protective barricade before Mrs. Pankhurst, armed with Indian clubs and excellence in jiu-jitsu. Emmeline continued her speech, yelling above the chaos. The plane's closed, hidden detectives attempted to ambush the Amazons, but were stopped by barbed wire that the girls had hidden in the garlands around the stage. At this point, it is pure chaos. And old ladies that had just come to hear the speech were outraged at the police violently interrupting a legal event. And so they began to help the bodyguard. This is my favorite part because these little old ladies climbed on their chairs, brandished their umbrellas, and proceeded to bash any constable that came within their range. <laughs> Get it, Grandma. Yes. And this meeting was 100% legal. And it continued on with more suffragette speeches even after the police finally broke through and yanked Emmeline Pankhurst away by force, her clothes torn to shreds. As the last speech ended, 4,000 people marched onto the central police station, rallying for Pankhurst's freedom. The crowd had to eventually be physically dispersed by police on foot and horseback. But despite, or perhaps because, of Emmeline's arrest, the Battle of Glasgow was a roaring success. Support for the movement increased tenfold, and her suffragettes rose to new elevations. The next morning, a woman named Mary Richardson protested Pankhurst's arrest by destroying the Rokeby Venus with a meat cleaver. The Rokeby Venus was an extremely valuable and famous painting that was hanging in London's National Art Gallery. Mary Richardson's mindset was 
Venus is the most beautiful woman of all time. And Pankhurst is the most beautiful character of all time. So if they would destroy the most beautiful character, she would destroy the most beautiful woman. Protests grew from there, including an infamous street fight on May 21st outside Buckingham Palace. But then World War I took place in 1914. Emily Pankhurst recalled direct, direct action and disbanded the bodyguard. The country was needing them, and they would resume their fight if needed once the war was won. Behind public eye, campaigns for women's suffrage continued. Their mission was pushed more forward as women began to take jobs of soldiers sent to war, and the women proved to be just as good as the men. By 1918, two million women had replaced men in employment, making 37% of women employed. And in 1918, the Representation of the People Act was passed. Women over 30, with a certain property qualification, could now vote. 8.5 million women met the criteria, two-thirds of total women in the UK. The fight, much more peaceful and political after the war, continued until 1928. When finally the Equal Franchise Act was passed and women achieved the same voting rights as men. This was, again, after America had already earned it. But it's thanks to the UK that America was pushed into doing this at all. The spark started in UK... They just kind of had to postpone because of World War One. Right. We got a little bit bigger fish to fry at the moment. Right. Yeah. As I was doing this research, though, my biggest thing was why in the hell had I never heard of suffragitsu or the bodyguard? Because there are all sorts of amazing tales of these beautifully dressed women in their extravagant dresses beating the buckhaul out of men like it it's something out of a satire comedy movie absolutely ridiculous and it probably was because of the chaos brought on by world war 1 the culture of the bodyguard just fell through the cracks until a man named tony wolf in the 21st century tony wolf is a new zealand world expert on martial arts and has said that he is quote, basically qualified to be an assassin. However, instead of becoming an assassin, Tony Wolf instead became a fight choreographer for TV, film and theater. And some of you might recognize the name because he is the cultural fighting styles designer for the Lord of the Rings trilogy. In 2002, Wolf began researching Bartitsu for the revival of Sherlock Holmes because Sherlock Holmes was starting to become popular again in the early um, in the early 2000s. And so like the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes, Robert Downey Jr. There was Sherlock Holmes in the 22nd century. There was several new books. Yeah, being there read. was a new TV show called uh, Holmes, I think there was yeah, okay. it, he was becoming popular again. 
Sure. And so to get on top of everything, Tony Wolf decided to research Bar Titsu, which had uh, which was um, a martial art that was basically coined by um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle when he was writing Sherlock Holmes. And it should be said that Arthur Conan Doyle mislabeled the martial art as Bar Itsu. Though I don't see that much of a difference. He just misspelled it and he left out a T. But either way, Tony Wolf wanted to make sure that it was known that uh, Doyle got it wrong. So Tony Wolf began researching the Bar Titsu. Uh, and through his and a handful of other researchers scouring obscure newspapers, journals, etc., stumbled upon suffragitsu. And he became passionate about trying to get public popularity for these ladies. Because he, also being a martial arts expert has never heard of these women. And they were arguably probably some of the first martial arts masters in Europe um, because everything was still happening in Asia at that time. Tony Wolf calls himself a feminist. And so since 2002, he has basically made it his mission to get popularity for these bad ass bitches and he is working to this day to make their stories more known and to find more information about the bodyguard because again there's not a whole lot known because they fell through the cracks of history yeah that's really interesting how i mean i've never heard of them either i mean of course you know i we live in america this is when we go to school, we're taught more American history. For instance, in high school, European history was an elective. I chose not to take because I hated history at the time. <laughs> um, I was a stupid, too cool, wannabe, too cool for school kid. Anyway. What would your 16-year-old self think of you doing this podcast? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not really sure. I'll, I'll have to think on that and I'll get back to you. Um but with that being said, you know, I, that's amazing. That's, I'll be, I'll be forthright with you. I was told by a friend that I may not like this week's topic. Yeah. And I actually did. You had me sucked in. Oh, yay. I'm going to also admit that I am buzzing hard. <laughs> I haven't I saw had, you re-pour. I re-poured and I haven't had anything to eat since... About 11.30 this morning. So oh, I consciously made an effort to not interrupt. I appreciate <laughs> because you. Because I have gotten so much shit for episode five. I appreciate you so much. <laughs> so please let me know if I did a better job. You did a listening. way better job. Okay. You were silent. I okay. was wondering sometimes if you were paying attention. I was paying attention. <laughs> I was very just trying not to overstep. Well, I appreciate um, you, Tyler. Yeah, thank you. I try. <laughs> But that was very fast. I'm blown yeah. away. I was very interested by that. I had no, I had never heard of this. I had no idea. And that's really cool because yeah. jiu-jitsu, albeit Brazilian, I did not know it originated from Japanese mm -hmm. jiu-jitsu. And it's always been something I've wanted to do. I've oh. just never had the time. 
or money or physique. Partic- <laughs> yeah, you know, the particular shape for. Uh, but I think it would be good, something good to help me to get into a better shape. So yeah, um, um, it's just expensive, unfortunately. It is, and takes time. It is. Um, so I do want to apologize to everyone listening because my notes probably seemed pretty disjointed and out of out of whack than what they normally are. It sounds like it was hard to gather information, though. It sounds like this and, is a very recent yes. development. And so I, I wanted to defend myself in saying that trying to find any information at all on these women is hard as hell. And I sat there with like 15 tabs open on my computer and they all would give different dates and they all did everything out of order. And so I had to manually try to figure out where each thing went in. It was a pain in the ass. And it took well, researching probably 10 times longer than it normally does. I can imagine but. having done research. Um, so I, I think you did a pretty good job with it. It's, you know, sometimes it might be best just to cover person by person, you know, well, or you. event by event. So I think you did a great job. Thank you so much. But like I said, I'll, I'll completely honest with you. You know, we, we try not to hold anything back from anybody on this on the show, even from the audience. And I was not like I said, I was expecting to be like, OK, this is something I'm mildly going to be interested in. But you had me you had me hooked. I never even knew there was a British or a European uh, suffrage movement. movement. Yep. Not and only that, it was... It started the American one. Yeah, and it was fucking controlled by these, like, women Badass ninjas. Bitches. Yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can I can see a lot going wrong if the wrong guy just walked up and tried to... Oh, yeah. that, that makes my dreams happy. I would have yeah. paid some serious money to be a fly on the wall watching some of this stuff happen. Watch, you're gonna you're gonna do the same thing you did with Free Britney. There's gonna be a docu series on this, Hulu or Netflix or somebody's gonna come out with one. Yep. But yeah. all right, you guys well, heard it here first. When you hear about the suffragettes, Whiskey and Wonder did it first. She done it. Not Whiskey and Wonder. Megan done it. Well, I, I, I can't Megan take any it. credit for that. And I guess on that note. Trivia with Tyler. So I've got a couple here just from where I had them built up. I don't think I've told you any of these. And if I have, I apologize. But I'm pretty sure I haven't told you this one. Um, in 2001, do, we, do you know who Aston Kutcher is? Of course I know who okay. Ashton I'm, Kutcher I'm, is. Anybody watch that 70s show? He's on that 70s show. He's married to Mila Kunis. He's the host of Punked. Yes. Fucking love that shit okay. in high school. <laughs> so in 2001, Ashton Kutcher went to pick up his girlfriend for a date, but she didn't answer the door. Matter of fact, I think it was an award show if memory serves. Um, he peeked into a window and saw what looked like wine stains on the floor. Unbeknownst to him, she had just been killed by serial killer Michael Garguillo, who stabbed her 47 times. And was later sentenced to death. Holy shit. I didn't know that. Yep. I uh-huh. I, I didn't know it to the extent uh, that I found when I was looking up trivia with Tyler. 
but I did know that from uh, I. So it's gotten to the point in my life where I listen to more talk, uh, either podcasts or just like I have a morning show that I've listened to since I was in L, uh, middle school. Well, you know where they just do fun stuff, and that's a piece of trivia that they've. Honestly, I'll I'll be honest with you guys. I a lot of trivia that I learn and hear come from, you know, that morning show or other random outlets like that. But they mentioned it. I just didn't know the detail until I looked it up. Wow, that is amazing. Um, did you know that Ashton Kutcher is actually incredibly intelligent? Yes. Um, yes, I did. He's very... He has a degree in biochemical engineering. Yes, and he he uh, works... Oh, there's some cause that he works for that's really... I forget if it's like limiting pollution in the world or something, but it's really impressive that someone of that stature would, would devote as much time as he does to it. I'll have yeah. to look into that, and I'll I'll get back... Yeah. on what that cause is. But yes, I did know he's very smart. He is an inspiration. He is. Ashton Kutcher seems like a, a chill dude. Really a cool dude for being a celebrity. Down to earth. Yeah. That Mila Kunas does too. I think I could get a beer with him. Yeah, I would agree. So well, good trivia. I'm sorry, Ashton, if you ever listen to this, that's, yeah, that's terrifying. That's a that's terrible rough. terrible experience to have. Ooh. But unfortunately Life goes on. Mail time. Okie dokie, Smokey. Okie dokie, Smokey. <laughs> All right, so we do have some mail today. Um, I will go first. Yes. We got an email from friend Angie who uh, donated to us the uh, wonderful, especially for whiskey and wonder scotch that we both enjoyed. Uh, she says, Meg, you know, I hate email since I live in it every day. This is true. I'm sorry for you emailing us, but I'm actually very interested in what you wrote. She continues to say, but I watched white boy, which was about the longest convicted minor for a nonviolent offense. It was fascinating and would love to learn more to see how slanted the next Netflix documentary was. I'm 42, and I don't ever recall hearing about this dude, but he was apparently a big thing. Interesting. Yeah. I had never heard of that either. I hadn't either. And I know Tyler said he didn't want this to be like a true crime podcast. He doesn't like serial killers and blah, blah, blah. I don't mind them. I just, you know, I don't want it to be the focus. There's so many true crime podcasts. That out is there. so true. Wine and crime, you know, just names like that. Yeah, that's you true. Know, I've seen several. On, we have a website we go to for looking for sponsors, and so many true it's crimes true about crime, wine true crime, and true crime. Yeah, yeah. crime. And just, um, but friend Angie, this is I've looked at it a little bit, and I am super interested. Um, and now that I have Tyler's blessing, this will probably definitely be something I will. Uh, do a topic on at some point. Yeah, I I don't mind true crime. I just get tired of it. I I just want variety. I, yeah, I, variety is the spice of life, which is coming from somebody that's not much. There's not much variety in my life. Um, 
in most aspects, but you know, I don't mind it every once in a while for sure. All right. Well, cool. Um, so our next email comes from Papa Manning. It wasn't an email. It was a, an Instagram message. Actually, it was about four Instagram messages, but we appreciate it nonetheless. Yes. Got the point across. So I'll read what he said here. It uh, starts with, nice job, Tyler, on the American Gangster episode. Thank you very much. It was very informative, well delivered. If possible, could you guys add Four Roses small batch select to review list? That is excellent. I've had it before. We will put it on the list. I, will I have not do that had it. As soon as we get done. Matter of fact, I'm going to write that down here as soon as I get done with this email. Uh, also, a topic that folks may find fascinating is the Louis uh, Zamperini. Got to love an Italian name. It's just the way it's spelled. Louis Zamperini uh, story about a distance runner back in World War II who joined the Air Force and became a pilot in Japanese conflict. A movie and a book was made about him, and the book is amazing. You guys keep improving each week. Keep up the great work. I'm looking forward to our camping trip in October. So that's a side note. Uh, I believe, uh, so friend Shelby and I are planning a camping trip with her brother here in a few weeks. Shouldn't impact the podcast recording. Uh, and that's basically a scouting trip for the location for their family trip. So uh, Papa Manning, I actually am not planning on going on that trip. That is a family only trip. So I'm going to let you guys enjoy your trip. I'm going to get my, my version in here in a few weeks. So I hope you guys have a great time on that trip. I'm sure it'll be a great trail and you guys will have a ton of fun. Uh, he continues on. Oh yes. One point of constructive criticism I will offer is to reiterate a suggestion Megan's mom made. Reduce the number of F-bombs. You might just increase, increase the number of us baby boomers audience. Just saying. So we appreciate the criticism. We do. From both you and Megan's mom. We do. Thank you so much. Yes. Um, we love hearing any criticism that you guys send us. And we, we legitimately have conversations about it off, off air. We do. And think about it. Individually and together. Yes. And so this is the second person that's brought up the F word, so it were. And Megan and I have talked about it. And basically, this podcast is something that we do to hang out with one another, to try new whiskeys, to learn new things. It's just a, it's a fun time for both of us. And yeah. You know, if it makes it big one day, that would be awesome. If it doesn't... That's all right. We're still having fun. Yeah. We're we're hanging out. We're spending time together. Exactly. Um, I know the F word and some curse words offend people. You know, I understand that there are people that bothers. Um, you know, if, if it bothers you, I apologize for it. But at the same time, that's part of who we are. Yeah. We're not offended by it and we use it every single day. It's flavor enhancers to sentences. <laughs> to quote SpongeBob, yes, it's <laughs> sentence enhancers. <laughs> um so we don't want to drive anybody away from this podcast by by no means, but we also don't want to change who we are. Exactly. Um so it, 
We want to agree to disagree on that, I guess. If you're watching YouTube, I'm talking a lot with my hands here. Um, we, we That might be something we just have to agree to disagree on. Yeah. And I can tell you for certain, Megan and I have talked, and we will continue to use the F-bomb. It's something that we're not going to change it about is, ourselves. Yep. Um, it's part of who we are. It's part of our, part of our personality, and it's going to part of this podcast and if that's something you're not comfortable with it might be a podcast you're not very comfortable with and i'm so sorry for that because we would love to keep you as a listener we would love to have everyone listen but we can't be everyone's friend not everyone is going to like us and um at the end of the day you know we can agree to disagree and you know we're we're okay with the choices you make and the other people make in regards to listening to this podcast. We don't want to drive anybody away. You know, we want to be respectful. We want to respect other people's feelings, but at the same time, we want to be true to ourselves. So that being said, you know, we're going to move past the F bomb issue and still probably say it mainly because I don't even realize I'm saying it. (laughs) It's, it's that common for me. So, um, I guess on that note, we'll just jump right into final thoughts. My question for Megan, before we get into this, have you shot it yet? No, I'm scared. (laughs) Okay. Do you, I guess I'm going to shoot it. I don't want to. Okay. Pressure's on the pressure's on. I'm curious to see what she thinks. It hurts so bad. What are you talking about? When I shoot it, it's so smooth. What in the hell are you on? It is so... I get almost no burn. Oh, it burns so bad. I get very, very little. It also makes me want to burp, which whiskeys normally don't make me want to burp. I always want to burp from whiskey. So I'm going to be honest with you guys. If you want, I don't let it touch my tongue, it doesn't burn if I shoot it back. Well, yeah, so that's kind of what I was doing, uh, I guess. Uh, so I'm going to be honest with you guys. Yes, I dipped back in for a second pour. Normally, I don't do that, even if I do enjoy the whiskey. But it has been one hell of a Monday, one hell of a Sunday night. <laughs> um, Yeah, I probably going to have a third finger after this when we're done recording when i'm editing after i'm done editing i should probably wait till after i'm done editing for that but it's been that kind of day so i i drank this i i don't think i saw megan drink this hardly at all while she was a lot of talking presenting yeah i understand it's hard Uh, i drink this several different ways and there are certain ways that burn more. There are certain ways that it burns less, I guess is how I would phrase that. Um, with that being said, I would very much like to try this and probably will once we go. Oh, excuse me. See, there's the whiskey burps. <laughs> um, probably will try this with whiskey stones once we go off the air just to kind of compare, but... I stand by what I said at the beginning. I get a decent amount of burn, a sweetness, and a 
smoky leathery on the on the back end. Um, the uh, I said that out of order. It's sweet at the beginning, then kind of a fruit burn, and then the burn is long lasting. So that stays through the end as well. But you have a leathery, smoky kind of feel. So overall, for me. Like I said, it's one of those, I don't think it's something that I'm necessarily going to do neat. Um, I am very excited to try it with the whiskey stones or a whiskey ball of ice. Um, what did you think? Um, I, I'm definitely agreeing it's not something I want to drink neat. Um, it burns a lot. I do like the flavor profile minus the burn. Um what I really would like to try is doing this mixed with like a diet Coke. Um, way back in my early adulthood, um, one of my drinks of choice or my drink of choice was probably a Jack and Coke because I didn't know anything. Um, and I think this whiskey has a really good flavor profile to be mixed with a Coke. It would be like a almost give it like a vanilla vanilla float Coke Coke float type. Taste. <laughs> did you say vanilla? I, I did. Is that, I meant is van- that a rapper? I meant vanilla e. But I was just gonna let. I was just gonna go with it. I caught that. No, you weren't supposed to. Okay. Well, now everyone has caught it. So it's a vanilla. Um, <laughs> it's gonna be like puckle. Vanilla oh, and vanilla and puckle. <laughs> that sounds like a TV show, like a like a crime duo. Oh shit. Okay. Um. Vanelli and Puckle. I'm going to have to get that on a t-shirt. Um, I Neat. I really don't like this thing. Um, mm. It just, it burns. It doesn't have anything special enough to it to make the burn worth it, in my opinion. And now the roof of my mouth is, mouth is kind of numb. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's been a Monday, guys. It's been a Monday. And I'm going to say I'm saying mouth... Because my mouth is numb. So it's all down, it's Mike thought. Typhon. <laughs> uh, so it's, I'm blaming the whiskey for the fact they can't talk today. Um, so if you had to rate it, where are you putting it? Man, I love a- Ava Gardner and I love Seven Jars Distillery. And I think they're like one of the only whiskey distilleries that actually like follows us. So I want. I want to give them something high rating because they support us. I want to support them. But I don't want this to be a podcast where we will give ratings for sponsorships. Um, I never want to turn into IGN or uh, anything along those lines. So Seven Jars, I love you. I hope you still love us. Um, the Ava Gardner, this particular uh, select just is not my thing. I'm going to sit it with a three, knowing that I love you mm. guys despite it. Mm. Sorry. All right. So. Well, sorry, I'm writing that, writing that down so that I can update it on the uh, website later. Well, yeah. I also dropped something. And my dog went for it, which is, this is one of the few times we've actually, actually in a long time, we did at the beginning, this is one of the few times we've had Bo 
in the room instead of Navia. Yeah. Usually, usually Navia gets to hang out in here and Bo mm-hmm. goes in a different room, but Nay is not here today, so no. Bo's in here. And if they're together, they're psychotic, so. Yeah, they'll knock everything over and play with <laughs> all the toys and bark and... Um, for me, this whiskey, this is something that I, I really did enjoy sipping on it. I genuinely went back for a second, not just because it's, uh, a Monday. I mean, if I really wanted another, another whiskey for it being a Monday, their high West campfire is still sitting on the table within arm's reach, arm's reach. I never actually put it in my whiskey cabinet. So I chose... Uh, the Ava Gardner select over the High West Campfire um, to refill my cup. I am... This is going to be another episode where we're split. Really? Yeah. I would give this a solid... Uh, I'm going to... I want an asterisk by this. I'm not going to put one, but I want this... Okay, mental asterisk. Mental asterisk for everybody listening. Seven jars. I'm giving it a six and a half and a solid six and a half. I debated on going with a seven, which for me is pretty high. I'm That's pretty, very high for I'm Tyler. I'm pretty conservative with my ratings. The reason I want the asterisk is because I really want to try this with the whiskey stones. I really want to try this cold. That tends to take a little bit of bite out of it. I really like the flavor profile of it. Um, and I did find a way to drink it without that bite, but I don't get as much of the flavor. So... I'm interested to to play around with this. This is one um, Megan and I talked about it, and and I made a trip to the ABC store and spent almost two hundred dollars on whiskey. Bought a couple weeks worth of samples, and I think this is one that it, it, the funds are not going to come out of the podcast uh, funds. This is going to come out of my pocket. This one's going to stay here. Regardless, uh, because I, I'm thrilled to have one of the 3,600 bottles produced. I'm going to tuck it in the back of my liquor cabinet and hope very few people see it or break it out when the right people come over. And I'm I'm very excited about this whiskey. So I'm I'm going to give it a six and a half with the asterisk of I expect that rating will go up if I have it a little bit chilled. All right. So. All right. It's, I I don't know, maybe as we're getting our palates more redefined and we're getting better at this, our tastes are shifting a little bit. A little bit, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's just, just it's been a couple of whiskeys that we just really have had such a different view on, or maybe we're both just starting to So, well, separate. I will say one thing that I think is is notable as far as that is we and we've talked about this before is we each have a different drinking experience every week. That is true. We take turns presenting, you know, Megan talked this week. She, did you drink at all while you were presenting? I took a couple sips when you did make the rare comment. Yes. You were trying so hard not to say anything that I didn't get to drink a whole lot. So, uh, and, and that's kind of behind the scenes here is that's kind of why we interrupt each other is so that the person can presenting drink. can actually take drinks and oh my god you can see how red i am <laughs> my <laughs> face looks red in the camera wow. i'm sorry all right um it's so yeah each one of us can 
take sips and accurately review. And so it's a lot harder when you're presenting to get those moments. You have to kind of throw it back real quick. You have to take small sips. And that that definitely impacts the way you drink and, and what you feel. Uh, for me, the burn kind of went away for the most part. Unless I just absolutely let it cascade and just sit in my mouth where it could impact the where I bit my lip a couple days ago. I didn't really have that much of a burn. <laughs> Nothing more than, you know, other whiskeys we've had. All right. So I think that might be part of why we're drifting a little bit in our... All our, right. That makes sense. That actually makes like, a lot of yeah. sense. It's very logical. So... Um, all right. Well, interesting. Um, side note, sidebar, I do want to apologize to anyone listening who has had to deal with my mush mouth and my breathing and my (laughs) noises. It's it's not your breathing. It's, we couldn't hear you. I don't want to say we couldn't hear. I could, I started picking up on like Uh, the plosives and, and I'm doing it too. I can hear myself doing it. Oh, I'm trying to keep the microphone further away. It drives me nuts. I'm so used to talking with the microphone right up here and talking further back has me like, oh my God, they're not going to hear me. We're going Um, to, we'll talk more about this off the air just because it's, it's about time to wrap this up. Okay. But I did notice you were doing something that was actually conducive to not having plosives. So for anybody that's listening, a plosive is like a word that starts with a P or a B or something where you're blowing air out of your mouth and when you're right up on a microphone it goes big word plosive yeah plosive I've got the screen on here maybe I can take this off oh I I can't get the screen off the screen's supposed to help with those but you really hear the air blowing and it sounds like uh, distorted air Hitting the microphone. Yeah, Kinda, you ever heard wind hit a camera microphone? Yeah, that's kind of what it's it annoying. Like. Yeah. It's an annoying noise, and it was pointed out to me once that I did it a lot in the earlier episodes. So I and, and I've been fighting hard to not do that anymore. For me personally, that is one thing. Like if I start listening to, you know, somebody's video or somebody's podcast or something, and I hear. Pff, on every word, I'll turn it off after like two or three minutes because uh, it'll drive me insane. Yeah, that's and, and I think part worry. of it is I talk like this. If I'm talking to you, if I'm talking to the audience, I'm directly in the microphone, but the sound profile on these come out like this, so I'm not blowing directly into the that microphone. That makes sense. So I don't know. We'll we'll play with the settings. Hopefully, I apologize to anybody. That's my fault for having the settings not tweaked perfectly. Stupid um, computer. Uh yeah, so I I apologize to anybody if you you clipped you're annoyed by the plosives yeah by one decibel okay it's fine um, <laughs> sorry <laughs> that's fine I I turned myself up last week so that I could actually stay a little bit back from the microphone but I keep forgetting I did that so I like have never leaned back before and talked so this is kind of weird yeah so that's something we're gonna try we're gonna try to keep improving this audio quality for you guys mm-hmm. I've gotten several comments. On our audio quality, but we're gonna try to keep making it better. Yeah, and he means good is never good, good enough. Good com good comments. Yes. People think our yes. audio quality is great for a new podcast, and that's yeah. because Tyler is a music sound guy. I just watch a lot of YouTube and play play the occasional song here, so I can hear myself. So 
if I look out of the corner of my eye, I see three guitars. Yes. <laughs> there are three guitars. There's a fourth in the closet. And there's a so, keyboard behind me. Yeah. Well, so I think you're being a little modest. Um, uh, okay. Uh, I appreciate it. Okay. Anyway, on that, I think it's time for us to wrap it up this week. We've droned on about our sound quality for about five minutes now. So, <laughs> Whoops. Sorry, guys. Um, wow. Well, thank you. I'm hoping beyond hope, praying to God, fingers crossed that we end this, we stop recording, we hit save and it doesn't crash. So if that happens, it ain't crashed yet. So hurry up. Okay. All right. I love you all. Um, awesome. Don't drink a drive. Cheers. Tyler made me puckles. I got to puckles. Puckles.